here with the Discover Your Personal Power podcast. How is everyone doing? We are finally back in school with students this past week. We have been doing virtual school since mid-August, trying to get our school and all the classrooms prepared for appropriate mitigation strategies for COVID. And now we have students. And I have to say, it is a lot of work for our teachers, but our students are doing great and it is wonderful to see their sweet faces. Getting ready for school has really had me thinking more and more about all the different aspects and ways that COVID-19 has affected all of our lives. During this month of October, we're going to talk about COVID. I have four podcasts lined up to talk to you about the many effects, ramifications, and toll that COVID is taking on each of us. I'll not be talking about numbers or statistics, but I want you to know that I hear you. From messages in my inbox and words from friends, I want you to know that we're all in this together. And together in this unprecedented time of uncertainty, we can find unprecedented solutions. My plan is to leave you with some hope, peace, purpose, and power. We have all been affected by this coronavirus outbreak. Many of us are grappling with emotions that maybe we don't even quite understand. Who could have predicted the domino effect of a daily global occurrence having such devastating consequences? Suddenly the air we breathe sparks uncertainty and fear. Isn't that crazy? There is fear and uncertainty. There is fear of illness. There is the fear of what life is going to look like in the future, and it can all be overwhelming. As humans, we thrive on predictability and routine. We know what to expect, and that provides us comfort and helps us feel in control. Humans, by default, are afraid of the unknown. We fear what we don't know, what we don't understand. When safety is perceived, the stress response is inhibited. But when we do not feel safe, our stress response system automatically goes into fight or flight mode. Our heart rate increases, our blood pressure increases, and we have this heightened sense of awareness and seem to be on high alert all the time. Since COVID has been going on for nearly nine months or more, no wonder we're all exhausted. Humans like predictability because it makes us feel safe. COVID has created a life where we don't feel safe. We can't go out of our homes. We can't go out to eat in restaurants. We can't go to large gatherings. We can't hug each other. We wear masks on our faces, put plastic shields up everywhere because of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of getting sick. And as a nurse, I'm not saying these strategies are unnecessary, but I am saying that we need to look at what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we need to recognize the effect that all this is having on our mental health. 
When we're fearful about work and health and our families, we're fearful about our parents, our grandparents, our children, our jobs, our country, our way of life, and our own mortality. It starts to wear on us and it's exhausting. Today, I wanna talk about some of the basic human needs and how COVID has affected them in ways that you may not even be consciously aware of. And first is the basic need to feel safe. There's a theory called the generalized unsafety theory of stress or guts for short. This generalized unsafety theory of stress states that prolonged stress responses are due to generalized and largely unconsciously perceived feelings of not being safe. Our basic physiological state of fight or flight is determined by the perception of safety. The stress response or our fight or flight system is triggered when we do not feel safe. Whether this threat is real or perceived, our body can have physiological changes in response to this sense of safety. We may or may not be consciously aware that our body is responding to this uncertainty or perceived threat. One's perceived safety is the outcome of the brain's prediction of your survival chances. With the information given, what are the chances or prediction of survival? And interestingly enough, most of these responses are largely unconscious, but they're because they're driven by our primitive brain. Back in the day, when our ancestors were hunters and gatherers and living in the wild, they knew they had to find ways to stay safe and not be the dinner of some ravenous predatory carnivore. They lived in tribes to protect one another and in caves or places where they had refuge from the elements and safety from those wild beasts. They knew not to wait for more evidence of threat, but decided to err on the side of caution. It's easier to play it safe than be sorry. And those who fled at the first sign of unsafety continued to live, live and pass on their genes. And thus, that's why we're here today. Abraham Maslow was an American psychologist who was best known for creating Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, a theory of physiological health predicated on fulfilling innate human needs. Maslow proposed that human needs can be organized into a hierarchy. This hierarchy ranges from more concrete needs such as food and water to abstract concepts such as self-fulfillment. According to Maslow, when a lower need is met, the next need on the hierarchy becomes our focus of attention. Maslow's hierarchy of needs says that once an individual's physiological needs of air, food, and water are satisfied, the next need that arises is a safe environment. Think about it, as children, we need to feel safe in our environment to explore. When we don't feel safe, we react out of anxiety and fear. The needs for security and safety are considered basic fundamental human needs. People want to experience order, predictability, and control in their lives. It makes them feel safe.
We get emotional and physical safety in our families, in our communities, and our social circles. We feel financially secure with employment. We need to feel safe in our property, in our health, and our well-being to have these basic human needs met. COVID has rocked this sense of safety and left many feeling unstable in their emotional, mental, physical, financial, and healthy well-being. Often, when we think about the need to feel safe, we think of big emergency situations like wars, disasters, and global pandemics. But we can also explain the human need for safety when we think of familiar things or why we do things, like purchasing insurance or contributing to a savings account. Personally, I love predictability. I know it's boring and I sometimes think I want to be this fun, spontaneous person, but I really love predictability and consistency. I'm going to tell you a short story. So I have this ring that I bought a few years ago. It's a lustrous, deep, red, oval-cut ruby stone set in sterling silver. It's beautiful. It has an antique look, and I love it. Ruby is my birthstone, and I bought this ring on a shopping trip with my daughter. For some reason, we had stopped at the jewelry counter, and we were going to splurge and get us both rings, but they couldn't size one to fit her skinny little fingers, so I decided to get the ring instead. It is my favorite ring. And I'm not one of those people who has a different colored ring for every outfit. So I wear this same ring 24-7. Many years later, we were on an Alaskan cruise with some friends celebrating my 50th birthday. And if you've ever been on an Alaskan cruise, you'll know that all the ports you stop at have jewelry stores, one right after the other after the other. On probably our third or fourth stop, we were looking in some jewelry shops, shops, and it happened to be on the exact day of my birthday. So we decided, okay, let's get some jewelry. I'll get a new ring. My eyes went straight to the one I wanted, but of course I tried on some others, tried to be a little more versatile, but no, this was the one I wanted. So to celebrate my birthday, my husband bought me this beautiful ring. We bought this ring. It's a gorgeous oval cut red stone set in silver. The red stone is a ruby for July, and I was like, this is perfect because it's on my birthday. Both my grandbabies were born in July. Well, I don't think it was even till several days later, maybe toward the end of the cruise, that I stopped and realized how similar both rings were. And I had been wearing the other ring the whole time. And now I was wearing both rings. And it suddenly dawned on me that they were almost the exact same ring. It's funny because my husband commented, well, you know what you like. And he's right. There is comfort in knowing what you like. I never thought about how specific I am about things that I like until that incident. It's pretty funny, but there's peace and comfort in the known. There's peace and comfort in the predictable. There's peace and comfort in doing something that we've done before. And there's peace and comfort in knowing what we like. It feels safe. And COVID has taken a little bit of our sense of safety. 
COVID has taken away a bit of that predictability, a bit of that comfort. Besides wearing a mask anytime I go anywhere, I think about everywhere my hand touches. If anyone does cough or sneeze, I pause. And like you, I'm adjusting to this new normal. But it's okay to pause and to realize that yes, our basic need for safety has been disrupted and we are having to find a new normal. Next, I wanna talk about the next basic need in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and that is the need for love and belonging. According to Maslow, the next need in the hierarchy involves feeling loved and accepted. This need includes both romantic relationships as well as ties to friends and family members. It also includes our need to feel that we belong to a social group. This need encompasses both feeling loved and feeling loved toward others. As I've talked about in previous podcasts, we have an innate need for social connection. We know that love and belonging impact our well-being. For example, having social connections is related to better health and conversely, feeling isolated or having unmet belonging needs has negative consequences for our health and well-being. And COVID has left many of us feeling isolated and alone. The global outbreak of the novel Corona disease 2019 has bestowed on all of us a virus warranting a pandemic declaration by the World Health Organization. According to the National Institute of Health, COVID-19 has presented two major health problems. The first problem is the illness caused by the virus itself which is usually self-limiting, but can be fatal, especially in the vulnerable, the elderly, and people with underlying health conditions. The second problem is the anxiety and panic that the virus triggers in the minds of virtually everyone who hears about it. Both problems present substantial challenges to physical and mental overall health. The National Institute of Health also recognizes that COVID-19 has also furnished us with a unique prolonged disaster context, impacting our daily lives with increased uncertainty, no end date, new fears related to contagion, illness, death, increases in a range of stressors, and it has reduced our access to protective factors. Many are fighting to recover from the physical effects of COVID-19, while others are mourning lost loved ones to the disease without access to important cultural rituals. My own husband's father passed away, and he was unable to attend the funeral due to the fact that we live in Japan, and it was a time of very strict restriction for international travel. It is heartbreaking for him and leaves an open wound that is difficult to find closure without the support of his mothers and brothers who knew their father best. The National Institute of Health reports that it's important in the short and long term for individuals to maintain resilience in the face of COVID-19 and all its cascading and uncertain effects. Trying to find research on the effects of COVID has been difficult 
due to the fact that we're still swept up in the whirlwind of the unknown. Studies are trying to build off insights garnered from previous research into resilience in the wake of disease outbreaks and disasters and use survey data collected during the first outbreak wave of COVID-19. They're trying to help us better understand important predictors of resilience to this current pandemic. Each of us watch as physical safety precautions are put into place, being asked health, travel, exposure questions, having your temperature screened when entering a building, wearing masks, being isolated from friends and public places, watching the news, losing the camaraderie that is found in team sports. My very wise school principal talked to our faculty about grief and loss, loss of how things used to be. I think when we think about grief and loss, we think about big things like death, a death in the family, or loss of a job, or a home, or a loved one. But I think it's important for us to realize that grief and sorrow and loss come in many different forms. And it's important for us to recognize that it's okay to grieve. In the wake of COVID, we have lost our feelings of safety, our freedoms, our predictable future, that sense of love and belonging, and our lives as we knew them, the intertwining roles we played in each other's lives. Our children have lost monumental events in their lives, rites of passage that were diminished to drive-through graduations and online proms. They will remember these events and mitigation measures and precautions for the rest of their lives. The loss of major life events like prom, graduations, and weddings, and having a proper funeral. I miss going out to eat. I miss Friday nights at the club with my friends and Sunday brunch. I miss hugging, and I really miss seeing my family, and I miss my friends. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler wrote on grief and grieving, finding the meaning of grief through five stages of loss. This book is phenomenal and explores the non-linear process of grief, and I want to talk a little bit about that. With any, when any kind of loss is suffered, we should not expect resolution in the sense of some complete, once and for all, getting it over and done. Resilience is not simply getting closure on the experience or simply bouncing back and moving on. Recovery is a gradual process over time. Learning to effectively deal with grief and loss may feel more like waves on an ocean. A quote from Vicki Harrison says, Grief is like the ocean. It comes on waves ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm and sometimes it's overwhelming. And all we can do is learn to swim. Various facets of grief may alternate and reemerge with unexpected intensity. With coronavirus, grief is confusing. Our primitive brain knows something is going on, but we really don't understand what it is. Let me take you through my story. I have not been sick due to coronavirus, and I am definitely not diminishing those that have. I recognize that I am very blessed. But my goal is to let you guys know that we're all experiencing this together. We're all experiencing loss and we're all grieving. And there's power in sharing your story. I live in Okinawa, Japan. 
I work for the U.S. government on a Marine base at an elementary school for our military personnel's children. We had the amazing opportunity to come overseas almost 10 years ago at a time in our life when radical change was needed and we love it. We love our jobs and we've been able to spend every Christmas, whether here or there, with our kids. And now we both work for schools so we're able to spend the summer with family and with our grandbabies. This summer, we were scheduled to go on a two-week cruise and then spend the rest of the summer playing with grandbabies, eating American food, namely Chick-fil-A, and Arizona Mexican cuisine. We had doctor's appointments for yearly checkups set up and dental appointments as part of our yearly summer routines. I spent most of the first part of last year in the first stage of grief, denial. Let's not talk about summer. I was practicing avoidance, confusion, shock, and fear. Denial is the intellectual and emotional rejection of something that is clear and obvious. It's a survival mechanism. I paid all this money for our cruise. We had our orders to get our tickets to go home in the summer. Surely we'd be able to travel. They can't make us stay in Okinawa, can they? Evolution has allowed humans the ability to deny physical and emotional pain for short periods of time in the attempt at self-preservation. I couldn't imagine a summer without hugging my kids and holding my grandbabies. My denial was my self-preservation. I thought things like, this whole thing is so overblown. It's a conspiracy theory. Coronavirus is no worse than the flu. It's all going to blow over soon and things are going to go back to normal. As June got closer and COVID numbers escalated, the ability to travel internationally diminished. And my husband and I looked at spending the summer away from our family and at home here in Okinawa. And this step the second phase of grief set in, anger. Anger, frustration, irritation, anxiety. We moved toward anger in an attempt to control our fears. Instead of accepting and dealing with the problem, we get angry, we blame others, we engage in power struggles and externalize the issue, refusing to comply with the rules. This is all China's fault. I'm going to have a party with my friends anyway. No one can make me wear a mask. I admit I put off wearing a mask till the last minute. Living overseas, working for the government, I have to obey government rules. So I had to wear a mask if I went out. So I barricaded myself in my house for most of the summer. Next, the third step or the third part of grieving could be bargaining. Bargaining is struggling to find meaning and reaching out to others and telling your story. Maybe what I'm doing right now is bargaining. As denial subsides and we start to acknowledge reality, we don't want to give up the illusion that we have control. We want to put on a good face. Enjoy the Okinawan weather. Enjoy being together. Catch up on some shows. Eat some yummy snacks. Then, depression. Overwhelm, helplessness, hostility, fight or flight, a sense of hopelessness, disempowerment, feeling lost, self-pity. 
The balance between staying informed and switching off the constant bombardment of information, it can all be psychologically overwhelming. I spent a good portion of the summer watching Netflix and eating all my COVID snacks. They told us to stock up, kind of like if a hurricane or typhoon was coming, and so that's what I did. So I laid in my bed, ate my Oreos, and watched Netflix. My summer was mainly spent in my pajamas, meandering around my house, wondering when this was going to end. The final stage of grief is acceptance. Acceptance is exploring options, creating new plans, and finding a new normal. When we finally acknowledge and surrender to our new reality, at some point I was able to pull it together and found a new purpose. I started my coaching practice, I started this podcast and an online store to use my mental energy to create something new and channel my thoughts and my energy to something more productive, something bigger than myself. In this respect, I can say I found blessings. I embraced the things I could control and I made them work for me. Kessler talks about that there's a sixth stage of grief, and that is giving meaning and purpose to the grief we've experienced. Coming to terms with traumatic loss involves making meaning of the trauma or the loss or the experience and putting it into perspective and then weaving that experience of loss and recovery into the fabric of our individual and collective identity. Remember how I said grief is like an ocean and it comes on waves ebbing and flowing? Sometimes the water is calm and sometimes it's overwhelming and all we can do is learn to swim? I'm learning to swim, learning to make sense of the loss of feeling safe, of feeling invincible. We all think, oh, it won't happen to us. It won't happen to someone to I love until it does. I'm learning to swim and decrease the feelings of loss, the loss of belonging, the loss of friendships, the loss of times of big parties and entertaining on the regular. I'm learning to swim as I learn all the new protocols and new standard operating procedures and new rules and new strategies that are part of the job as a school nurse in the life of COVID. And I'm learning all the new rules of being a U.S. citizen living abroad. I want you guys to know more than anything that we're all in this together. Everyone right now is experiencing some kind of loss, but we can help each other and help ourselves. There are a few things that we can do to help our brains process this grief and loss that we're experiencing. First, take a time out. Recognize that you're feeling some grief, some loss, some sense of uncertainty, and recognize that it's normal and it's okay. Feel the feelings. Recognize that everyone feels grief and loss in different ways, and everyone reacts to grief and loss differently. This is no time for comparison or judgment or justification. Just take time out to feel the feelings. 
Pushing down the pain and ignoring the grief and loss just digs a hole for a ticking time bomb. Your fight or flight system has to work harder to keep that time bomb from going off, always in the back simmering ready to explode and keeping the fight or flight system just a little bit on edge. Give it space, let it breathe, recognize it, feel it and process it. Take a time out. Just as our ancestors knew not to wait for more evidence of threat, but to err on the side of caution, we too are built with the knowledge and power of how best to keep us safe. Next, gather your girls, find your friends, rally your team. Remember the importance of social connection. Listen and share and recognize your own struggles and share with others. You never know who will be sharing the same struggles. You may be the one to help them recognize that this is normal and it's okay. We're all grieving and all grief is valid. Share experiences of loss and survival. We have a dear friend who had a traumatic course of COVID-19 with months in the ICU and multiple surgeries. And as an ICU nurse, I was worried about his survival. His family shared his story with us and we shared in the community of prayers and were able to witness miracles as he is now out of the hospital and recovering. Whether it be through messenger, text messages, computer online phone calls, connect the best you can with loved ones. Share your love and create meaning and purpose from your loss and your survival. We are all learning how to reestablish continuity and community as we strive to realign relations, reallocate roles and functions as we rebuild our lives, homes, livelihoods, and communities. Express yourself creatively. Creative expression can bring clarity to your soul. It is an outward expression of your inward thoughts and feelings. Next, take care of you. Remember, self-care is important, and if self-care right now is eating Oreos and watching Netflix, I say do it. You define what is best for you. I have a good friend who had to remain quarantined for 14 days after coming back to Japan from the US. She literally had to live in a separate part of her house than her husband, or he would have had to been quarantined too, and he had to work. She had to have meals brought to her because she could not go to the grocery store or out to eat. She, ha- she said that she followed a routine and read a book every day because she knew what kind of self-care she needed. Myself, I found a project. I need to be working on something to keep my mind engaged or I go a little stir crazy. Find what works for you. Find creative ways to have fun. Remember that process of grief is like going on a journey. There are multiple routines and everyone is affected differently. There is no right way to grieve and no one path to take and no best coping strategy. 
Taking care of our physical needs, getting regular sleep, healthy nutrition, personal hygiene, maintaining connections. I have a group of friends that get together regularly, at least twice a month, and we found a way to get together. It took some ingenuity, but we meet outside, or we social distance, we wear masks, but we get to smile and laugh and love with one another. I would love to hear your stories. Hop over to the website at www.discoveryourpersonalpower.org or PeggyMoreLifeCoaching.com. Go to the podcast page and find the spot where it says share your story. I would love to hear from you. You can also share on the Peggy Moore Life Coach page or Peggy Moore Life Coach on IG. I can't wait to hear your stories. I am listening. Let's help each other find peace and purpose as we discover our personal power. Until we meet again, my friends.